Five Year Mission, the podcast, episode 55. By now, you figured out that this is the Five Year Mission podcast. Welcome to Five Year Mission, the podcast, the only podcast hosted by a band called Five Year Mission. I am one of your hosts, Andy Fark, tonight. We're uh, delving into a quick little uh, uh, creature feature, if you will, parentheses and aliens. Um, so I'm going to be joined by uh, Mike Rittenhouse, who's looking down at his phone right now. And also by Chris Spurgeon. Creature feature. <laughs> and last but not least, with the flurry of what looks like bees in the background of his Zoom meeting, uh, Noah Butler, did you just drink, take a drink of a martini? I did. Are you are you living in 1953 all of a sudden? Uh, in my mind. How, yes. how long have you known Noah? <laughs> Not Martini. Why, why does this come as a surprise? <laughs> Martini Noah though. Yeah. Well, I guess Teeny is in, is in the name. So there's he is small. many facets of of Noah. Mike is holding up a picture of himself on his phone. But it yeah. looks like it's actually just him on the Zoom, even though it's his phone. I wonder how long his arm can hold it up. It looks like he's smelling his finger in the photo that he's holding up to. He's not very strong. I can't imagine this would last very long. That's what she said. <laughs> to Mike. <laughs> <laughs> so what are we doing tonight, Andy? Oh, uh, well, we are going to be covering uh, our favorite creatures and aliens of the Star Trek universe. But uh, the first off, I would like to invite everyone to like and subscribe all over where you get your podcast, YouTube, Apple Music and Spotify and all that rate and review. Um, make sure, you know, because that's how people, other people will find us. So let's get that business out of the way. Also, uh, check out our Patreon. Uh, you'll hear a commercial for it at the end. Mm -hmm. We do fun stuff over there. Fun stuff. Go over to Patreon. Flash five-year mission. That's right. The number five. Your mission. <laughs> so we are going to take a little trip around the Star Trek universe tonight. And uh, the things that creep us out, the things that make us laugh, the... The enemies we make, the friends we make in creatures and aliens, they may be humanoid, but that doesn't mean that we can't get along. Uh, so which one of you dummies wants to start us off? I will. <laughs> Noah, the one, the one that we only got two of his suggestions before we started recording, so one of them is definitely going to be a surprise. That's all right. At least six minutes before I logged on to zoom, I picked the other two without, with, without a single word to us. So, so we could prepare. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'll start with, uh, I'm going to start with the Horda. Um, and most of my picks tonight are based on um, strong uh, visceral memories of watching um, Star Trek as a young person, as a, as a kid or, adolescent um and so starting with the horda is one that was that was both 
funny because I remember watching it with with a friend and and you know dubbing it the pizza monster and and always kind of calling it the pizza monster from from that point forward because it did seem hokey even uh, even in the early 80s when I was watching it it still you know it was kind of this hokey thing but that episode which to me is one of my favorite episodes and it's just so good like even though it had this sort of we called it the pizza monster and it was this kind of hokey alien looking thing um it was just such a brilliant brilliantly written episode um such a great character in the Horda itself and the mother Horda. Um, and, and, you know, I just, it had ever, that episode had everything. It had so many people, you know, dying, not red shirts, but as Mike likes to, to mention from time to time, all the orange jumpsuit people who died more, more than red shirts die with the more right. orange jumpsuit people died. Um, just the tunneling and the, uh, and the, Spock doing the the mind meld with the creature and kind of the tension of the whole episode um, just really made that creature stick out to me in, in my brain is just one of the great creatures of Star Trek. Um, even though it was a little hokey looking, um, it, it, it had it had character and depth to it enough that it just became just one of my favorite things, even as a kid. Um, I even think we tried to recreate it one point at one point as like a halloween costume when you were um, little yeah when i was a kid because me and my my next door neighbor my buddy justin who lived next door to me like we loved star trek so much um and we would you know we would build these cardboard boxes that that you know and and try to draw the panels and controls of you know the helm at the enterprise you know and and pretended and we had these little plastic jewelry cases that we would like flip open like um, communicators. Mm -hmm. um, and so like we just play acted it a lot as a kid because we were always watching it in reruns at like dinner time. Um, and, and the Horda was one that was just great. And I remember we, we tried, I don't know what, I forget what we used, like a blanket or a sheet or something and tried to like kind of recreate the big red splotches all over it and the hairiness thing I, I i don't remember if it worked all that well but um but it was it was something we did so that, that's just one of my like very strongest and earliest memories of, of star trek and and i think still stands the test of time as far as a as a great creature and a, a great character uh even though it didn't speak except to spock um i just think it's a great character and a great great creature for star trek well, I mean, it's a, it's it's definitely from one of the most iconic TOS episodes too, Devil in the Dark. So it's like it, it, it they started off thinking it was just a killing machine that had like zero mercy or anything like that, but then they come to realize that you know it's protecting its kids, which they were just like tossing tossing the eggs out of the airlock and destroying them and everything. <laughs> And then finally, they they come to realize that, like you know, this is a living creature who's just pr protecting their children, who was, you know, and this thing was here first. So no, it wasn't. It wasn't. Wasn't yeah. the killing machine they started. They started off thinking it was. And I remember showing that episode. It was one of the first Star Trek episodes I showed to my daughter just about a year ago when she was uh, nine or eight or nine, and. Um, I remember after it was sort of revealed that, that those were the eggs, like I could just see this look on her face 
that I know in her brain, she was just like, think of all the eggs they killed. They were, they were doing this and they were doing that to them. And they were, you know, like, I could just see the shock, you know, they're like, Oh my God. And, uh, and so I think that was, that was effective, even though it was, you know, it's a old show from the sixties. It, it mm. was even effective on a, on a modern, modern little girl uh, watching that. You know, what I think might be the most effective thing about the Horta is that it shouldn't work it's basically this mottled rubber lump that rolls around and doesn't talk. It doesn't really do much, but the way I think the effectiveness of this character relies on the characters around it. So with Spock and, and Kirk and the way they interact with it mm. and the, the miners that are, th that are down there, the story is really good. The creature itself is really, um, I mean, it doesn't really do much, but the story that is wrapped around it makes it a really cool character, you know? So I think that's what makes it so effective because if it was just this thing, this monster rolling around that they had to kill, it wouldn't, it would be very underwhelming. Yeah, definitely. Didn't we actually see somebody had made like a motorized version of the Horta in Vegas? Yeah, no, that was in uh, um, at Trekfest, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah you're right. Yeah, I, re I remember for, seeing for that. I don't remember where we were, but somebody, yeah, somebody did have one. Yeah, I'm fairly certain that was for the parade in uh, at Trekfest one year. Okay, because I, I, I couldn't remember the size or the scale of it or anything like that. It seemed seemed like it was a much smaller version. Somebody might have had something where they had like they were wearing it, and then they would get down on the floor, and they would they would look oh, like the yeah. Horta. Yeah, that sounds familiar too. Yeah, that could be. You Maybe might it was both. You might be thinking of the Rock Lords, Noah. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of those things travel too. You know, those we'll we'll see them at some random convention and then we'll see them pop up elsewhere the same people so that that happens pretty often too true yeah it's definitely an ambitious cosplay to try to pull off <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's not the kind of costume that you wear and you can you know see through see out of or communicate mm -hmm. through so uh, i think the one we saw was remote control on wheels and just kind of rolled around i think that's really the best way to to go with that one. Oh well, Mike, you want to you want to give us give us your first creature pick? Sure. Uh, my first choice is going to be the Paw Wraiths from mm. Deep Space Nine. Uh, let me preface this by saying that I recently discovered that Noah has watched zero Star Trek other than the original series. <laughs> so, and l let me preface this as as each one of you tell me whatever creature you're talking about. I will be looking it up as you say it. <laughs> oh, okay. That's mm, mm, interesting. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I purposely chose all my picks uh, as stuff that Noah has no idea what Never I'm talking seen. about. So can I just, can I just uh, look it up and do, do a Google image search and then try to guess what it is based on the Google image? Oh, Ooh, absolutely. Yeah. Sure. Let's, yeah, let's see. Okay. What, let's see what your Google image brings you. So your your paw, pa, your paw wraith is some sort of action figure, some sort of like little chess chess figure that spits out fire, uh, or something. That's that. That's what I'm. That's what I'm 
that's what I'm getting from the the three images Surveys that I that I see here. Does that make out. any sense? Man, is All it right. a totem? Is it a is it a? Uh, Explain it to it's him. It's a it's a wraith, so it must be some sort of ghost like creature. That's closer. All right. All right. So in D Space Nine, uh, one of the main storylines through the entire series is that uh, the wormhole has these wormhole aliens in it that they call the prophets. Uh, they are some kind of uh, omnipotent beings that live in the wormhole. And uh, a millennia ago, they expelled these other beings, basically, I think, of like the same race, but they're evil. And mm. uh, those are the paw wraiths. They're like the evil wormhole aliens. And they um, they sealed them in these caves on Bajor. And so over the course of the series... They're mentioned several times. Uh, there's a couple of uh, moments throughout where we actually get to, to kind of see one. Uh, there, there was an episode where uh, where, where Keiko O'Brien returns from Bajor and she's oh. p- possessed by a paw wraith. Um, <laughs> and there's another episode where paw wraiths take over Jake Sisko and mm-hmm. uh, I think I think uh, uh, Kira. Yeah, and uh, they're 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 fighting um, on the on promenade. Yep, uh, and then of course uh, you know there's a you know a big storyline at the end of the series that kind of wraps it up uh, with the the paw wraiths, uh, Goldicott's trying to release them from the fire caves uh, so that he can help them take over Bajor and the wormhole. And uh, Kai Wen is sort of involved, and there's some some gross scenes, and uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know what? In the end, uh, Kai Wen, you know, she she kind of turns around, you know, uh, even though she sucks throughout the show. Right. Oh yeah. In the she, the very end. Yeah. Very she, last possible <laughs> second. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, like at the very end, she. she it's kind of a. No. Yeah, no. she 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 redeems herself a little bit, just you know, mm. a little bit. Uh, but yeah, so the paw rates, they're they're kind of a a cool thread throughout all of D Space Nine. Uh, I know Andy knows what I'm talking about. What do you think of the paw rates, Andy? Oh my God, uh, it's definitely one of the more interesting parts of that whole storyline with go with Golducott and that both that final season. Um. But Noah, I would probably like you remember the scene in Ghostbusters when all the ghosts are getting out of that containment unit at the firehouse. I do. That's basically the paw race. They're going out and their main goal is to just f- it up. All right. So, so the, the the dude from the EPA that uh, shows up and <laughs> shuts off the the containment unit in power. That's yeah. basically Golducott. Yeah, like, like he's trying to he's like it's like he's from the EPA and he's trying to shut off the containment unit in the fire caves. Is it is it true that that man has no dick? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Tell him about the Twinkie. <laughs> what about the Twinkie? <laughs> so you know, I this... never I, I never really liked the Pawraiths. I mean, for obvious reasons, but I also they were too intangible. It just mm-hmm. and 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 uh overpowered you know they're those kind of creatures these enemies that are really really difficult to defeat and but also uh, 
again, they're just intangible. So I wasn't a huge fan. of. Uh, yes, it did help drive a, a storyline, but I'm, I'm not a fan. I just I just kind of like that the like the wormhole aliens that we never really learned a ton about until like the, the final like three seasons really mm-hmm. to really just two seasons season last season and a half really yeah. um they kind of had like that little counterpart thing and so like they were like they were like oh these yeah they they come from us but you know they were like the they were they represented the worst of us so we had to get rid of them and like Thanks. the whole the Thanks, whole like wormhole. Re- yeah <laughs> what a so bunch of wormholes yeah <laughs> but the fact that like kai win was like driving herself insane trying to figure out like where the pile raids resided and mm-hmm. like how to like utilize their power and everything like that like but like that whole thing when like gold ducat was like manipulating her in like the full i guess like bajoran cosplay <laughs> Yeah. was a pretty awesome storyline to involve like the whole like wrap up the whole like pa race thing yeah. and then yeah kai wins redemption when she uh tackles golducott into the flames and the caves the fire caves is uh was pretty baller and it's like okay maybe she wasn't <laughs> so bad after all but she she, she still was didn't Kai Wen um, flood the station with chroniton radiation before the um, that battle was completed? <laughs> wow! I just want to make sure I get I'm, I'm remembering it right. Uh-huh. Remembering it exactly. <laughs> so this that, that, that is correct, Noah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, the uh, the dominant third image that keeps popping up in Google search, which is what was confusing me. I finally found a caption for it, and it says. An ancient Bajoran artifact containing a power wraith. Uh, okay. Okay. That just keeps popping up as one of the yeah. Im- Google images when you when you search it. So that's <laughs> that's what that was. That's why I said it, it looked like a chess piece. <laughs> that, that makes way more sense. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Chris, what you got? Yeah. Well, let's talk about the Mugato for a minute. <laughs> it's let's. probably no wait let me look this up chris i want to get a a google image (laughs) it's probably no secret that i am a fan of the the the, the gumato (laughs) we'll get there so this is some (laughs) kind of some sort of rhino ape it's what Uh, i'm seeing on google images i don't know i don't know why i like this thing so much but it just entertains me to no end (laughs) not only because of what it is but also kind of how it just kind of the the history of this thing and originally in the original uh, script so this is a beast it is like you said a it looks like a rhino ape it's this ape-like creature with a horn on its head it's covered in fur yeah uh it has we know the song it has i didn't know this but it has serrated teeth and so not only does it bite you but like you know rends the flesh and the bite is poisonous it can only be the only known cure for the poison is the maker root, which uh, apparently the uh, Kanu two, which is kind of a medicine woman, mm-hmm. has to be involved for some reason. With her uh, sweet it, orange vest. Yeah. So this this creature is from the planet Neural, and it was originally called the Neural Great Ape, but then they changed the name to the Gumato. But Forrest Kelly couldn't say Gumato for some reason. <laughs> And then in the episode, they call it Mugatu, 
This is Private Little War almost the entire time. And I think someone might actually call it the Gumato as well. So they had it all. Somebody, whoever was working continuity that day was was fired. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it has the strength of 10 men. It's uh, it's it's just a, a badass creature. <laughs> but I just think it's so funny because it's it's really super territorial and it just comes out of nowhere and attacks people for. Yeah. I mean, you'd think that if you lived on a planet full of these these beasts that you would have some kind of. Uh, contingency plans and defenses set up but no mm-hmm. it just jumps leaps off a cliff onto your back and bites you <laughs> um, i don't know uh and we uh it also originally was in private little war it also showed up in um lower decks mm-hmm. it's mugato gumato is that the name of the episode yeah. something like yeah. that and uh in that episode, we find out that they're endangered. Mm-hmm. And a couple of fun facts about the Mugato that I didn't know that I think are hilarious. One, phaser fire to the Mugato gen- genitals renders them <laughs> sterile. So it's... That's all? Yeah. Where did, so all where did this canon fact come from? This is... This, this is it's um, from our Galileo 7 video. Oh. yeah yeah so since they're in danger you got to watch out for that no phaser fire on the genitals the other thing that i found out which might even be funnier they like to the watch it, exactly if a male mugato encounters a couple mugato in the act the mugato because it's territorial it will either fight the male for to win the female or it will just watch until they're done and then they just hang out and go to sleep together. like a movie where are you getting this cut. information chris this is yeah, directly I, from lower decks i don't know if this yeah. is canon oh it's it's canon now <laughs> oh it's there thanks to the thanks to I, I don't i don't know about the phaser fire to the groin thing but yeah yeah i don't know where that stemmed from i don't remember hearing that in any of the episodes well so, i got all my information from uh i mean what i didn't know already i got from memory alpha so okay you know, did, chris did I, you also see in memory alpha something i saw very quickly that was really hilarious was that uh the person who who created the costume that was created and performed by this person named janos pro prohaska janos Janos and um and appeared on uh uh, season one episode 22 of uh here's lucy yeah and so there's this picture of the mugatu without a horn uh hugging uh lucille ball it's pretty hilarious if you look that picture up it's quite funny i had not seen that one i i just again i don't know what really draws me to this thing i just think it's really funny i have a couple mugato action figures um when we got to private little war and i got the episode i didn't you know the first song i i I mean i had a couple songs that i wrote for that but i really wanted to do a mugato song i didn't but i didn't i had the first song in the album so i didn't want it to be a mugato song yeah Yeah, i didn't want to be wanted to be jokey and then so that's why i made that as kind of a b-side but I really like that song and I like playing it. So, but that's why it's because I knew I had this episode and I had to write a Mugato song. 
So and we still technically haven't released that, that Mugatu song, have we? Um, it's not been officially released in any way, has it? I don't remember. It, it was it was a, a Kickstarter download bonus. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it was. Uh, okay. think From year four. It as a, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, yeah. I, I don't know what else I can say about the Mugato. It's just... Uh, I, I remember... It's one of my favorite I remember, creatures. Yeah, I remember as a kid, again, watching Star Trek for the first time, and anytime a creature showed up, it, you know, instantly made the episode better, no matter how hokey <laughs> the creature was. It was just like... Um, as as like an eight year old kid, it was just you know yes, bring on the creatures, bring on the aliens, bring on any of the weird stuff. Um, and that ep- even if it's Clint Howard, even if it's Clint Howard, no, <laughs> definitely if it's Clint Howard, that was that was especially great. Especially Baylock, uh, yeah, especially Baylock. Um, but I mean, I think that made that episode to me as a kid, like sort of worth watching where it was otherwise i think it would have been a kind of a boring episode um as a, as a as an eight-year-old kid watching that um i think the mugatu made it like if the mugatu not been in it i don't know how much yeah. it would have held my attention as a there's kid kind of two different stories going on there because the there's the one story where the mugato takes a bite out of kirk and so he's he's kind of down for the count and the Kanu two is is helping him out, and then there's the other story about the two warring factions on this planet, and they intertwine. But I I kind of agree. I like both stories, but the the Mugato, yeah. especially the second time we see the Mugato, where it kind of chases 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 them around in the trees. You know, first it jumps down, and it's it, they're kind of in these hills, and then they're in these trees. It's just such a random, goofy thing in that episode, but I I like it. <laughs> what about you, Andy? What's your first? Um, let's go ahead and stick with the the theme of Noah not knowing about it. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> let's go ahead and cover the uh, the 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 race that likes to that likes to make things go, and they are smart, even though you know you think they are not smart. The pack led. Oh man, how you spe- how you spell that, Andy? P A K L E D. Pack led. <laughs> oh, it's the dudes with the big eyebrows that you got in on your background. In my background right now, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the pack led to me are absolutely fascinating that they are even still alive, <laughs> like just as a race in general, because they are just dumb as hell and the only reason they are able to even travel in space is because they keep on somehow fooling people to think that they're dumb with the way they look and they talk and they act and they just steal their technology from them and that's just amazing to me that they've had a like a planet full of pack lead that hasn't just somehow the entire planet hasn't slipped on a banana peel and fall fallen down some stairs somewhere out in the universe. It's the stupidest thing in the world to me. <laughs> and I did not realize how many times the packlet actually appeared in just Star Trek in general. Like there's like a ton of DS9 episodes so far, even like one, two, three, four, five, six, they, they appear 
in some form in seven episodes of Lower Decks so far. Yeah, that's where I mainly know them from, I think. I Looking at your background with the Packleds, there, mm-hmm. your Zoom background, I recognize those. And I remember the makeup being, It's as I recall, it was rather immobile. Mm-hmm. I just remember it, it looked really goofy. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it was definitely goofy makeup. It doesn't look like a rubber mask to me. It looks like a, just looks like. It's just, well, it's just oh, a big dumb guy with goofy eyebrows. Yeah. Goofy eyebrows. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't so realize that they appeared in any other episodes uh, after. Oh, uh, uh, this is a Samaritan snare. Ah, yeah. So I, I didn't realize that they appeared in anything other than that until lower deck. So they were in several episodes of G space nine. Yeah, um, let's see. Uh, like, like I'm, I assume just like background characters, like more or less. Yeah, they'd, like they'd, they'd be out, they'd be like hanging out, hanging out in, in quarks and stuff, and yeah. like uh, oh, they. Okay. Yeah the 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 one where we first met Lursa and Bator, the Duras sisters, they were in that episode too. Okay. Um, they were in preemptive strike with the because uh, they were they were delivering vaccines um huh. yeah it was weird and then they were in like a couple episodes of like a couple episodes of ds9 here and there but i mean other than that we didn't really see a ton of them which is why i was glad that mike mcmahon decided that he loved the pack led so much that he wanted to give them like some front and center attention on lower decks just because they were such an absolute cartoon character they really already the, uh, <laughs> i, I the love how they... they call every ship the enterprise yeah. Oh, and, 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 and everybody's Janeway. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that they're, they've been used really effectively on Lower Decks because mm-hmm. they're actually kind of a prominent enemy that keeps popping up. Yeah. And yet they are so inept that mm-hmm. some, you know, somehow they, they always, they manage to get away with what they're doing. And it's just, yeah. Against all odds, it works. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, like, like I said, they were they, they made for the perfect like cartoon character because they remind me of. Uh, do you remember the old Looney Tunes monster that'll be like, "Oh, I'm gonna love him and pet him, and I'm gonna name yeah. him George." Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's basically like then an, an entire race of those things. Yeah. And I love that when when we first met them on TNG, in order to get because they they kidnapped Jordy LaForge to have him like work on their ship, and uh, to show them a picard's whole idea to like scare them into giving them back was like we're gonna do a do a show of force with the enterprise and like fired a fired at their ship but it wasn't even like missiles or anything they basically shot fireworks at them and it scared the pack lead so much that they they gave laforge back <laughs> oh it's so good noah what do you got for your next pick <laughs> um my next pick was um a creature that i of course wrote a song about um, that we sometimes refer to as the salt vampire mm. from uh, um, the titular episode, the man trap. Actually, I don't think, I don't that think they ever work. say them. They don't ever say the man trap in the no. episode. So it's not no. a titch. There's no titular line. They don't actually say salt vampire either. No, I'm not sure where that even, how did it even, they say salt vampire in lower decks. Yeah. I bet they do. Um What's what is it called? 
It's like from it, what I'm looking at, it's, it's like just the, called the, the M one one seven creature mm-hmm. or something yeah. like that. M one thirteen. One thirteen. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Native to planet M one thirteen. Um, but they you know it it still calls it like it's still called salt vampire and in, in memory alpha. Salt. 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 Or a, or or apparently a salt succubus. Oh. <laughs> Um, it is pretty this sunny. is another one that burned um, uh, place <laughs> in my memory, I should say, when I was a kid. Um, but this was not like I remember it, it was it didn't seem hokey to me. Like when I was watching as a kid, like it seemed genuinely creepy and and freaky and and cool um, and scary. And even um, even when it was in its sort of. Um, uh, you know McCoy's ex-girlfriend his lady form, form. his lady form um, <laughs> just her sort of weird sort of dead eyes that she would have sometimes um, <laughs> just creepy it was creepy like it was all around creepy watching it as a kid there was just like a lot of tension in that episode um, and and it was just cool it was a cool looking creature and it was just cool how it left the suction cups all over their faces and um i just i just loved it as a kid i just absolutely loved it um now as i've rewatched it again as an adult many times um the like sort of slow motion um agony that that kurt has when he's like getting attacked by it and just like the delayed reaction is just so hilariously terrible like just so hilariously you know badly acted and you know um that it's that it's funny but <laughs> when i was watching it as a kid like it was just everything was everything about it was cool like the only thing that was not cool about it was like they did not show that creature enough like there was just yeah they didn't show it enough like they really only kind of really revealed its full form there at the end of the episode and and it was just like ah. oh yeah in kirk's quarters yeah it's like Am I remembering right that Spot came in and punched it? I think he he slapped her and then in, in, in okay. like the, in the human form, like the woman. Like I think he just like nailed those. her like two or three times, and she just didn't, you know, didn't react at all. Yeah, um, which is pretty cool um, <laughs> pretty that she cool. didn't react. Just like she's like, yeah, that. Well, be at this point, do nice we know, shot, Vulcan? Do we know how strong Spock is? Because I know later episodes we see him crumple and, metal objects like paper. Right. Mm-hmm. But that's I don't a good. Think qu- at this point, we really yeah. know how strong his slap would be. No, that's this is super early. Yeah. Right. It's maybe like, they didn't know yet. It's like track two on the on year one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's the first episode to air. Yeah. Uh, but so, it, was, yeah. it was it was I think it's like the eighth episode they filmed or something yeah yeah and something about the salt vampire is that it's it's actually a really tragic story because this creature it's the last of its kind isn't it i believe something like that and it's trying to survive and the only way it can survive is to is is through the consumption of salt and so they are this this guy that lives on this planet with, with with her get salt there but they they're out of it and so it starts attacking people just 
out of survival, not because it's trying to kill people. It just has to, to survive. And so it's a really tragic story because in doing this, obviously the crew is put on the defense, the defensive at first, and then the offensive and they end up killing it. But yeah, you know, had they been able to get at what it needed, maybe it would have survived and maybe they could have, it's, it's one of those examples early examples in Trek before, you know, the um, prime directive was really established where you see them kill something that they don't know anything about. And they Mm. just, you know, attack it because it's attacking them. Right. It's, it's, it's interesting because I kind of wonder if they would have handled it that, that way had it been later on a later episode, you know, Picard wouldn't have killed it. No, no, You you are correct, Chris, um, that it was um, the last surviving individual on that planet. Okay. Uh, Species was thought to be extinct. It says, however, a century later, more living members of the species were encountered. And I assume that's in Lower Decks when they encountered. They they mention it in Lower Decks. It's it's referencing two lower decks episodes here, so I'm yeah. wondering if if they actually encounter it in in one of those episodes. It, the, it was it was just for like for for like a second. Yeah, yeah. It was like ooh, salt vampire. That was well, it. and of course another salt vampire showed up um, in uh, Squire of Gothos. Uh, Squire of Gothos, yeah, yep. just as a as a like a tax, taxidermied. <laughs> creature on display just like everything else that trelane had that could have just been something that was manufactured out of thin air it wasn't necessarily a one of those creatures yeah but still yeah it's a nice touch in that episode where you see that uh, the uh stuffed vampire (laughs) stuffed yeah 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 it was i I remember seeing that as a kid and being like oh cool yeah (laughs) It is a cool creature. It has that that round mouth with kind of it's it looks very leech like. Yeah. Uh, in mm-hmm. a way, and it yeah, it's a creepy thing, and it has the suckers on its hands too. Looks kind of like Sasquatch with with uh, suction cups. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Very very effective kind of. Speaking creature. of creepy things, uh, Mike, what do you what do you got for your next pick? For my next pick. Uh, I have decided to go with species eight four seven two. Now, see, I'm 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 going to be in the same boat as Noah on this one. <laughs> I'm gonna look this thing up. What is it? Help eight four seven two. Uh, so in uh... wait 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 wait. Let me let me let me determine what it is from the images. Okay. <laughs> it is some sort of really bad cg video game alien that looks like it's from a really bad cg video game <laughs> well you're not far off not far off at all <laughs> and uh, it hurts it, it 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 looks like it caused some kind of horrible face scarring um to um um chicote i hope Chicote, yep, yep. I think that's who it is. Good. Oh wait, weren't Good. those the, weren't those the things that even the Borg were f- afraid of? Yeah. So, okay. um, so at the end of the third season of Voyager, um, the last episode starts with um, 
a, a Borg cube trying to assimilate something and you don't really get to see what it is. It's just, you know, they, they do their, their usual spiel where they're like, you know, uh, resistance cool. is futile, yeah. prepare to be assimilated. And then, uh, you know, the, the cube is just destroyed. It's just like easily just boom. And then that's it. So then uh, in, later in the episode, uh, Voyager is just like doing their thing, flying along, headed towards Earth. They've got like 70 years, but they still stop and look at nebulas for some reason. <laughs> and then like, you know, 15 board cubes or, or something like fly past them. Like, don't even stop. They're just like, holy shit, let's get the hell out of here. And so that's kind of how the episode starts. And Voyager's like, you know, what the hell? And so they find out throughout the episode that there is like a, a new bad guy in town uh, that's uh, even scarier than the Borg and the Borg can't assimil assimilate it. And it's so the Voyager kind of works together with the Borg uh, to find a way to stop this, this species. Uh, they're from like another dimension, basically. It's called fluidic space. It's like the so basically the Borg opened this portal into this other realm to try and find more things to assimilate and accidentally released this uh this species. So uh the reason Noah that it's uh it looks like a cheap video game is because uh it is the first uh um CGI animated creature on Star Trek. Ah, <laughs> uh, so which this is this is back in like ninety seven, I think, mm -hmm. like uh maybe nineteen ninety seven or ninety eight, somewhere around there. And so up to that point, they had they had CGI'd like ships and stuff like that, but they'd never done any kind of living creatures. So this is their first attempt at it. Yeah, and they yeah, didn't have Spielberg cash. Yeah, the, right. the, <laughs> the first few times were pretty clunky. And even the rest of the times that species appeared weren't great, but it got better as it went. So there's there's a picture of, um, is it the doctor on Voyager? EMH? The, the guy with the... Uh, is he bald? Bald, bald yeah. Yep. Male pattern baldness. Mm -hmm. Where he's like looking at two of them mating. <laughs> Do you remember that? Uh, that ringing a bell to you? <laughs> I mean that that could be. I I, I know that there was, I know it there was definitely like a, a scene where he was like looking at them. I don't remember what was happening though. That sounds yeah, like a behind the scenes. No, nah, he's 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 just sitting there watching. Well, it's like it's like a giant wall of porn of just huh. like of species eight four seven two porn that he's watching. Uh, so uh, that was also the episode that introduced us to Seven of Nine. Um, mm, actually, the yeah. second half, because that was the the, the mm -hmm. season finale, and it was a cliffhanger. And then the second half, which is the first episode of the fourth season, we're introduced to Seven of Nine, which became like a main character for the rest of the series. Um, and they they deal with uh, species eight four seven two mainly in those episodes, but they kind of come back a few times over the next couple seasons. Uh, but it's a, it was a really, I mean, it wasn't like amazing but it was a pretty cool attempt to do something different and it was it was really cool how uh you know they they kind of shocked the audience with because the borg have always been like the big bad from for star trek for like the last 10 years and then suddenly there's something worse so 
it was it was it was kind of a cool thing. There, Mike, I changed my background so you can you can <laughs> see you can see the uh, courting process. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's happening there. <laughs> Lots of they're just there's holding hands. This is some seriously good content right here. <laughs> yeah, there's gonna be a well, lot of editing of that. Chris, <laughs> if, if 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 you think you can do any better, let's let's hear your next pick. <laughs> okay, my next pick. I chose the Medusin, who we first uh, encountered this species in the Clash episode. of the Titans. Yes, is there no. actually the Medusin was named after the gorgon in greek mythology because the medusa this species is non-corporeal and so it's uh it's super intelligent it has telepathic abilities empathic abilities but it's also so hideous that one look at it will drive drive a, a corporeal being mad and, and so because of this because looking just like a gorgon in greek mythology you look on it you turn a stone kind of the same idea where you look on at a medusin and you go crazy uh is there in truth no beauty is the episode where we first encountered the medusin and now currently there is a medusin on star trek prodigy oh that's right yeah mm -hmm. um uh zero uh zero is the name of that character and this mm -hmm. this this character actually created a a suit so it could interact with corporeal beings and communicate mm -hmm. as well. So you can kind of see that it's the Medusin is kind of this swirly light, and that's how it's been presented. Mm -hmm. It's been presented as a light in in TOS, and then in Prodigy, it's kind of this swirling, uh, multicolored light. But it's a really cool idea. Um, I just. In TOS, I like the idea because it's such a kind of this innocuous creature where it doesn't attack or anything. But if you approach it and are compelled to look at it, then mm. it's extremely dangerous because it can, can destroy your mind. Now, Another cool is, thing th is this is this is what the blind lady was was transporting in the box, right? Right, yeah, okay. uh, Kolos, and he was a an ambassador, basically. D D Diana yeah. Moldar. Yeah. yeah, Diana Moldar. That's right. Um, and uh, this is one. Of, it's interesting that we just talked about a species that destroy try to, that could attack and destroy the Borg, because the Medusin species can actually resist the Borg because of their telepathic abilities, mm -hmm. and they're essentially a uh, when they live in, in colonies. And so they're essentially a hive mind. Mm -hmm. And so that's how they can, that, uh, avoid, they, that's how they can resist the Borg because the Borg is, is kind of one and the same, but the Borg is much more hostile, which makes you kind of wonder what would happen if the Medusans became a hostile species because you can't look at them. Yeah. And they're telepathic and empathic, so they know what you're thinking and feeling. So it could be a really bad, really bad news. But uh, Zero on Prodigy is a really cool character, uh, showing you kind of a, a completely different aspect of the of this species. Whereas instead of just this inner creature in a box, mm -hmm. and it communicates telepathically, you actually have one that runs around in this little robot body and communicates and and 
and is an actual interesting character. So um, I, I'm I'm a fan of the Medusinus. I think it's a really cool concept, and it turned out to be a pretty cool character as well. That's one of the kind of neat things about like all the newer series kind of coming out. They like uh, they can bring back these like races that we never really got to know all yeah, that well kind of and flesh give them out a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. I mean, like yeah. like with, with lower decks, I mean, like a, we already talked about the pack leads. Yeah, and you know the the Medusans, and then you know you'll see, you know other species from the past kind of like make a quick little appearance here and there, or you know there's yeah. like one completely because I mean like we, we never really knew a ton about the Orions except for they were kind of they were like space pirates. Yeah, but I mean like like now with like Tendi on Tindy. lower decks, mm-hmm. you get to see a whole nother side. Yeah, a much a much more flesh. I like when they flesh out these characters. I mean, the Packwoods are another one that they, that they, you know, we've already talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, and just introducing these new aspects to old characters that we thought we knew. Um, you know, the Gorn has been kind of revisited more than once. Um, mm-hmm. I'm still a fan of the original version, the yeah. video game version. And I think they did it. They used them in... Was it Discovery? Where the, strange, they were new, strange New Worlds. Yeah, strange there, New Worlds. There, there was okay. a, a Gorn in one episode of Enterprise. Enterprise, too, yeah. Okay, yeah. But, uh, they're, they, they're always but they've been, different. They've been prominent throughout the whole season of Strange New Worlds. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. That's right. Uh, yeah, I like, I really enjoy the way some of the newer shows are fleshing out some uh, species that we have seen before but didn't really know as well in the Medusa is is just one of those that I think they're mm-hmm. doing a really good job in uh, making a character out of what was just some random species that we'd seen once. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it, I know it'll be hard for you guys to believe, but I did watch all of Prodigy. So, <laughs> well, you have, you, you have a nine. I, so. I, yeah. And I watched it with my, well, with there my is a new season and it's, there's like three that's, or four episodes. That's mm. what I heard. But anyway, yeah. I, 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 I like how they were taking, of a, a, a creature uh, an alien that was seen in one episode of the original series and really not mentioned again since and then turning it into a main character like that, yeah. that that's cool. and it's like, like someone thought what could we you know what could we bring back and to, th- to think that they thought of this basically one like one episode like, character <laughs> a light cloud and that they'd seen in one episode you know i have to think that maybe they were just a fan of that episode of tos and they thought you know what can we do with this character maybe they had a dream i don't know but yeah i'm glad they did it because it's yeah uh, zero's a a good character yeah all right andy what you got next oh (laughs) uh it's a it's a it's a race we've only seen once and it was very recently um but I uh, go with my second pick. I'm going going with the Duplers from Lower Decks. Duplers. Do you How remember you that? From the, oh, from, yeah. From the episode, the, an, an embarrassment oh, of Duplers. No. <laughs> that is a ridiculous species. Exactly. Voiced oh, by man. Richard Kind. Richard Kind. I mean, that's, I, I think that's probably what made that that whole... Well, like technically character, but basically turned into an entire race on the ship. After... It's basically they get agitated and they duplicate, right? Yeah, duplicate. they multiply. <laughs> yeah, they duplicate. It's spelled D O O. Noah, I yeah. got it. I got sort it. Sort of like yeah. Doppler, except except with an extra O instead of an X extra P. 
Yeah, those are they. Those are funny. <laughs> yeah, but we don't they... know much about them. No, we don't know like in much of anything about them. There was a the one that was on the Cerritos was just like an ambassador heading to a conference. And that's pretty much all we knew about like their planet or anything like that. But the race, if they get embarrassed or anything like that, they start duplicating them. Startled or. <laughs> yeah. How would it but... race? How would they even survive? I mean, I know obviously on lower decks, they're, they're playing for, for laughs. Oh, obviously. But I just, in a practical sense, I can't even imagine how they, because they would overpopulate. And... Well, the, the same thing could be said about Tribbles. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, yeah, but Tribbles, you have glommers at least that can, that where where their Tribbles are, you know, where they come from, you at least have glommers that can kind of keep the population down. Well, and, and also the Klingons get going on, on the great Tribble hunt. Yeah. So you have that <laughs> with Duplers, you just have these basically humanoid creatures a bunch of Richard kinds do they ever i can't remember um do they can they go backwards like yeah they can they can they can they can reduplicate by the by by someone uh being mean to them oh okay that's right yeah, that's that's, that's right. how the episode ends with them that's uh, right okay because captain freeman tells the crew to just yeah okay. yell like, at them like, yeah that's right. Yep. So, so that uh, that tracks. That's okay then, because if if they can, uh, one would think that where they're from, they have uh, some kind of methodology that allows them to be able to uh, not um, duplicate duplicate so much that it you know overpopulates and destroys their their home world. What's funny is that is that with that that comparison of the tribbles, I, ju I just now thought of that. Um, because at the end of the, the, the episode of the, the embarrassment of duplers on lower decks, um, captain Freeman, after being like, basically kicked, like not being invited to this, like captain's party thing mm. on the, on yeah. the base, uh, just how like Scotty beamed, beamed all the tribbles onto the bridge of the, of the <laughs> Klingon ship, a very uh, Scotty move <laughs> Freeman Freeman and like, like beamed the duplers directly into the party. And then like made like the dupler like bump like bump into somebody and then just started started du duplicating and ruining the party yeah i was like that's that's a pretty good little callback there i didn't hadn't even yeah. put two and two together on that before yeah nice but yeah that was just that was just a, a quick hitter because it's we've only met them once i'm really hoping we'll wind up meeting them again in, in season four or lower decks just at it least like a one-off episode yeah, it feels like one of those things where you can make one episode about them mm -hmm. and then do a, a throwback every once in a while, you know, <laughs> where someone just accidentally bumps into one of uh, uh, a dupler and they, you know, another one pops out and then that's it. Yeah. This will be <laughs> yeah. the kind of thing where they only appeared in one episode of, of Lower Decks, but 50 years from now... <laughs> Yeah, there, right. there will be a Star Trek series where the Duplers are like the villain for the entire season. Yeah. <laughs> I could see that. Well, I mean, I mean, hell with it with lower decks. We got We got an entire a, a new character and then an entire episode involving peanut hamper, which was the exocomp. 
which was in like <laughs> one episode of TNG. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I could see duplers in, in 50 years, but maybe being um like uh, the protagonist on a show, like being one of the main characters, like a, like, like multiple man in, in X-Force, no. you know, like, in x-men you know where you use those powers to help there could be you know. there could be like be like one entire ship that's just like completely staffed uh and piloted With and everything one person. By, by just one dupler he just yeah. keeps like duplicating yeah, yeah. himself he, he, he just well, pop, every pops in the tent and takes takes over all the the positions on the on the bridge but you said they had they had in order for them to duplicate they have to uh they have to be annoyed, right? They have, they have to be something that irritates them or something or yeah. embarrassed. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? Just like essentially they're like they're like BA Baracus that can duplicate. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, that would be the kind of character they'd be. I I can get on no plane. <laughs> I, I would have to think that if they were to use the duplers as a pro, pro, uh, a protagonist, it would have to be in the one that was evolved a little bit. Mm-hmm. So that yeah. it was conscious of how it, of what it is, and how it uh, more in control of its abilities. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and and it could, when it needed a duplicate, it could duplicate, and, and it, it would it would have to turn to its friend and be like, "Embarrass me, quick!" Yeah, because like or, they need more, you know. Either that, or it would just know how to know how to flex that muscle, you know, and yeah, so to speak. I I but think it, it, it just, it'll be more of a wharf situation. Uh, a, dupl- a, a dupler raised in like Russia. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so it has so it has some confidence. I like it. I like it. Spe- speaking of confidence, I know Noah's gonna go hard with number three here. Um, third, well, third and final. I'm gonna branch out of the original series. <gasps> Ooh, what? I know. Listen to the gas. So I was waiting for that. Um. <laughs> Mike hurt himself. I am. I'm gonna go with Armus. I almost oh. picked Armus. I swear, <laughs> I almost put that on my list. I was so close. Hey, wait, look. I, I actually on. had to go. Let me Google. Let me Google it. How's that spelled? Ar- armpits. A R M U S. Um, I, I actually had to go back and look at some of the lists that you had already sent because i'm like man i bet somebody picked that already i bet that's already on somebody's list and i won't be able to do it um i, I again i'm going on like visceral memories from watching star trek so i specifically remember being this is what what mike you'll know this like what season was this season one yeah or it was two? it was like the episode 20 i think of it season was late one in the season yeah of, of season one which which Came out in 1987. Okay. So then I was like in sixth grade or something, I think. So I was I, I was at my grandparents' house. I remember um, watching this. Um, and I had, I, had, I had been watching TNG pretty much the whole time. Um, but I, I just remember both sort of the shock that like, oh, wait. No, wait, they, oh, they really killed her. Like they, they, they killed the main character. Oh my God. Like they, you know, that was, it was pretty shocking. Like it, it, it did leave an impact on me. Um, and also just like the creature, like, although it's, 
incredibly simple and and almost ridiculous in the way that it looks. It almost looks CG, even though it that they weren't using CG. I don't think um, yep. it just had that sort of weird mix of something to it that gave it uh, a weird truly like otherworldly look like it didn't which is impressive it was because like, it looks like a person in a bed sheet covered it does. in tar it does yeah, exactly that's what it, what looks, it looks, like. looks like but but it was seriously frightening it was weird oh, yeah. yeah it was just really weird and creepy yeah like yeah. E- even now today as an adult watching the episode that i've seen countless times mm-hmm. it still creeps me out and I think it, it's a combination of that, the just that that weird, solid black look that like it just looks like like Tar standing there, but also with like the voice. The voice is is like very sinister. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I remember it just like it it had a it had an impact on me um, when I was watching. I was it was it was dark and weird and creepy and um, we should. We should probably mention that if you don't know who Armis is, Armis is the big tar creature that kills <laughs> Tasha kills Yar. Tasha Yar. Tasha yeah. Yasha. Yeah. At the yeah. end of season Skin one. Skin of In evil. In cold blood. Yeah, that, yeah. That, the episode Skin of Evil. Yeah. Yep. Well, and then Armis also made an appearance on Lower Decks. I I was reading that. Yes, they they were gonna prank prank call him or something. No, they did. They had like a casting stone thing from like some science excursion that they went on, so they were able to like project their voices down to down to Armis's planet, and they were just messing with them, calling call, calling him calling him a a big bag of crap, and then he <laughs> and then he and then he trips over a rock behind him as he's as he's getting mad, saying, "I am the skin of evil." And he trips over a rock and turns and turns into a puddle. And Tindy goes, "Look at him! He looks like a puddle of shit." No, Noah, you gotta watch Lower Decks, man. Come on, what's the problem? I'll, I'll, I'll give it another shot. I'll try to. It's not an overly large commitment. No, not at all. Yeah, there there are currently that's thirty true. episodes, and they're twenty minute episodes. Mm-hmm. So you're really only looking at like ten hours total. Mm-hmm. It's just Get discipline. It. It's just lack of discipline. That's all it is. It's just it all boils down to lack of discipline. You don't have a job. <laughs> <laughs> you're retired. I know, but I just. I don't watch six hours of television a day. I just, I just. Not with that attitude. Not in my routine. Mm -mm -mm -mm. That's a good comeback, Mike. That's, that's, that's the only comeback. For my last final pick. There you go. I am going to uh, present you with. Spell it. (laughs) Spell it and then say it. (laughs) Yeah. X I N D I. You're going to find a lot of different results for, for that one, Noah. Yeah. X X N D. Yeah. X N D. Search it and tell me what you find, Noah. Uh, I find a, a scaly dude with, with about seven hair, seven thick hairs uh, on his head. That's, uh, that's uh, one of them. Yeah. 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 
what mm-hmm. else? Oh, then there's a there's a group of like six of them that I see, and mm-hmm. then they're sitting at a table. Some of them are sitting at a table with like a with like a ant bug creature. Like that, a, is, that, that is another Zindi. bug creature. That's, That's another, another Zindi. Zindi. How? Why do they look so different? Oh, just just you wait, buddy. Keep looking. Mike, explain this this difference. <laughs> um, and then there's. Um, well, that's really all I see. Oh no, there's also aquatic Zindi. Yeah, really? I'm gonna, I don't know. The, the 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 fish, the whale looking Zindi. Fish one. Yeah. It's not coming up in the initial in the oh no, there it is. There it is. <laughs> yep, I see them now. And there's it's a, it's they're a like very they're like confusing race. There's they're pr- like a primates. They look like manatees with with <laughs> weird insect arms. Yeah. 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 Okay, so at the end of season two of Enterprise, in the last episode, wait, it was it was in the last episode, right? That's how it ends, season two, or is this at the beginning of season three? In into season into season two, into yeah. season two, right? Yeah, okay. So at the end of season two, in the last episode, this big ball, like it looks like a little Death Star, just like appears uh, uh, outside of Earth's atmosphere, and just shoots a beam. At the Earth and just right like, through Florida. Yep, cuts cuts a line across through the ocean and through part of Florida, and and it just like and trip sister. Yep, kills trip sister. <laughs> Mike is so excited by this one. <laughs> so so it, tur- it it turns out that this that this ball was uh, sent by this race called the Zindi uh, that live in the uh, the expanse. Yeah. You like that, Chris? I did. Um, and uh, so uh, there, there. Okay, so there's this whole uh, t- temporal cold, cold war going on throughout the first three seasons of Enterprise, uh, and there, there's like uh, these uh, people from the future that are uh, sending back messages to the past to try and change the course of history. So uh, they tell the Zindi that the Earth uh, is basically their enemy and it's going to destroy them so the zindi decide they're going to destroy earth first now the zindi uh they are it's a it's a it's a race of beings that they're actually uh i think originally there were nine different types of zindi um that they talk about it in one of the episodes but like a couple of them died off over the years uh when when extinct but uh there's there's primates there's insectoids there's uh, uh reptilians there insectoid yeah <laughs> uh but you know they they all live on the same like in the same planet and they all like work this, this sounds like uh like an 80s te- kids cartoon <laughs> it, it, and it, toy line uh, honest, it sounds like Transformers, like uh, the honestly, Decepticons, or the, uh, what are those things called? The Insecticons. Yeah, honestly, the Noah, this is the closest thing to an 80s cartoon series that Star Trek has ever done. I would, yeah. I mean, you, yeah. you, are, you are not wrong. Uh, so one, one of the coolest things about this, the Zindi and their appearance on, on Enterprise is up to this point, Star Trek has been mostly episodic uh, with the... Uh, exception of Deep Space Nine towards the end got a little bit serialized, but it was still overall episodic. Uh, the first two seasons of Enterprise were episodic, but this season of Enterprise was, it's like television today. 
Like mm-hmm. every, every episode was part of the story and mm-hmm. it just continued from episode to episode. Uh, there were there, of course, there are like maybe three or four throughout the season that can kind of stand alone and they're not really part of the ongoing story, but it's, it's pretty much like 20 episode story, like one giant arc. Yeah. And, uh, uh, the the Zindi, I mean, they're kind of a cool uh, species that they brought into Star Trek. Um, one of the reptilians is uh, played by Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Oh, nice. Uh, at least in one of the episodes. He might have been in a couple of them, but you mm-hmm. can't even tell it's him because of all the makeup. Oh, of course not, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it made for a really awesome season of Star Trek, and I think probably the I mean, the fourth season of Enterprise is pretty good too, but I think the third season is probably the third best season season. rules, um, most definitely. So yeah, I mean, obviously you you're a fan of Enterprise and you know what I'm talking about. Uh, how do you feel about the Zindi, Andy? I loved the Zindi from the beginning. It was a little confusing as to why there was basically like four different species, but then you got to think, you know, we're all Earthlings on Earth, but there's so many different races of us. So it, it it made sense after a while because I mean they're going to adapt to like climate and environment and everything like that. So um, the aquatics always fascinated me because it always seemed like everybody was so scared of the aquatics. It's like, what are they going to do to you from from inside <laughs> inside inside that fish tank? But they can still they're, but they're still somehow like the smartest and the most technologically advanced out of all the other Zindi. It's the weirdest thing to me still. I did never really fully explained it, but yeah. Um, I do like the ones that were like the more like kind of ape-like race. The, that, the primates. The primates, yeah. They seemed like the most um, progressive of the Zindi. Definitely. Um, because they were just, they were just like, we just want peace. We were, we're sick of these insects trying to start start all this shit all the time so you know we're, we're we're willing to work with you you just gotta make sure you, you just gotta do something for us first but yeah they were they were all very either sneaky or very like tactical about you know like wanting to get along with these people these things from this place called earth <laughs> So Chris, you uh, you've, you've seen all of Enterprise. Uh, yeah. What do you think about the Zindi? I thought the Zindi were a great uh, villain, villainous race. I like, I really like Enterprise. And the first season was, you know, it was a first season of a show. It was, you know, it was good, but it's Enterprise, just like mm. all other Star Trek property, were um, it, it got better as it went along. But once it hit the the Zindi, it really just took off, and mm-hmm. that was it. Yeah. Made a really interesting villain that you could, you know, a lot like some of the other great villains like the, uh, Klingon and and Romulan, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. They were different, and not just that they had um, a lot of different looks across the species, but also that they were just something brand new and so it was mm-hmm. yeah i enjoyed the zindi i'm with you noah what do you think of the zindi noah <laughs> um just based on the pictures um the uh zindi insectoid is by far my favorite yeah 
They were, my, they were my, both its looks and its name just just are hilarious. M- much you know, much great. better CGI than Species Eight Four Seven Two. Yes. Oh yeah. Species Eight Four Seven Two and the insectoid Zindi and the Tholians look all like they might be related somehow. <laughs> Do you remember what the Tholians look like? I don't remember what the Tholians look like. They look like crystal spiders. Basically. Yeah, the, you you got to see one on on Enterprise them. actually in the uh, in in one of one of the decon chambers. In in the episode the Tholian web, there's one on the view screen. Yeah, is there? A, yeah, is there? It's yeah. been so yeah. long since I've watched that episode. I don't even remember. You, you can barely, see, like, you can hardly see what it looks like. Is is that why it's a? Is that why it's a web? Yes, the Tholian web because they're like a spider. Spider. No, you have In to the, look them uh, up on the web to see what they look like. <laughs> I am. A, oh, boom! I, I do see some pictures of a Tholian, but that can't. Well, that's not from the original series. The comic book, uh, Star Trek Year Five had a a lot of good sh- good looks at the tholian tholian mm. what they look like there were is, there's a one character in particular that's in that um i can't remember what his name was but uh yeah you get a really good look at the tholian and they have they're very crystalline in look but they're also very insect like i think yeah in the original series it was just a like it was just a face on the view screen i think yeah, right yeah mm-hmm well, Chris, what do you what do you got for your final pick on here? So for my final pick, I chose what I think is probably the most terrifying alien in Star Trek. I don't know that it's as dangerous as some of the others, but if it gets your if it gets a hold of you, it's horrifying to me. So yep. SETI Alpha Five, which is where Khan was. Uh marooned mm-hmm. um there is a single remaining indigenous life form after i think what was it study alpha four got yeah. knocked out of orbit or something and it ruined study alpha five mm-hmm. and this is the seti eel which is a <laughs> burrowing desert creature mm. and it has these um it has like a it's bug like it has this jointed carapace and between the joints of this carapace and it has like these pinchers in front. It's really creepy looking. Mm. And it's kind of, uh, it's almost kind of arrow shaped, like an arrowhead. It, mm-hmm. The flat end it want, it, in the front and then it tapers off. Burrowing. So in between these jointed sections of the carapace, that's where the larvae are produced. And if you take one of these larvae and put it in somebody's ear, it goes into the ear it wraps itself around the cerebral cortex and what it does is it causes incredible pain but also the victim becomes very susceptible to outside suggestion and so basically it's mind control with this creature if it stays on there too long then you have madness and eventually death so it's this horrifying thing i remember watch it you see it in um, the first Wrath time we Khan. see it is the Wrath of Khan. Wrath of Khan, yeah. And Khan puts one of these things into Chekhov's ear. And I just remember watching this thing crawl up his face. I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, oh, yeah. I, I just saw it that just, in the theater a few weeks ago. Oh, it yeah. gives me the willies every time. And um, what's funny is 
they uh, they actually show up again in Deep Space Nine, mm-hmm. and you find out that they're edible. And yeah. They yeah they're I can't remember where you see them some uh, marketplace or something some off world marketplace I can't remember yeah where it and was. They're, they're selling the SETI eels. And that's actually where they first named them because they weren't, they were, uh, I don't remember what they called them in um, Wrath of Khan, but it wasn't SETI eel, I don't think. Uh, it was something else, wasn't it? Mike, you said you just watched it? Uh, I don't know that they gave it a name. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they did either. Yeah, and they, 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 but in Deep Space Nine, they actually named it. I think that's where they first named it. Mm-hmm. But one thing I found that I thought was really interesting, especially given what we talked about with the salt vampire is that Roddenberry didn't like that Kirk killed the SETI eel after it came out of Chekhov because when it, when it drops out of Chekhov, Kirk just basically vaporizes it with a phaser. Yeah. Um, because Roddenberry said it was an unknown species and it, sh- and it needed studying. Yeah. Which is ironic because he's the one that created <laughs> the salt vampire yeah. and killed it. And mm-hmm. this was a species that was unique, and because the study the study uh, eel is also an endangered species, you know, it just comes from one place, mm-hmm. and even though it's predatory, it's not. Um, uh, it, I mean, it doesn't do that out of malice; it just does it for survival, survival of the species. So, uh, well, it was that was that many thing, many years later. So I'm sure Roddenberry, you know, maybe changed his mind. Was changing, <laughs> yeah. his, changed his well, mind a little and bit. And that's you know that the whole idea of the prime directive had evolved at that point too because that wasn't really uh, that hadn't been um they didn't have that concrete idea it wasn't fully established yet yeah in in the man traps so i i get that but i just thought it was funny and this thing is the most terrifying it <laughs> I is mean, the borg the borg are scary but <laughs> if i woke up and i had a set eagle crawling out my face i think i might die so Chris, this this was on my um this was on my short list. Like I had to yeah. go back and, and I had to check yours and go, oh, he already did it. Um, but this was definitely on my list because my um if you remember, I was talking about my buddy Justin and we watched Star Trek together and play acted it and it was like our mm-hmm. thing as kids and he lived next door to me. Um, one major difference was that he had cable and I did not. So when I would go to his house they would have you know hbo and they would have movies on and things that like did they have this I, tank i was never exposed to. <laughs> they did not <laughs> but at his house is where i saw um all of wrath of khan um as a kid and um and that scene in particular was just like i always i mean it can't really be right but like i always felt like I just walked into his house on these scenes and I don't think that was true. I just think that's just how it like burns it in my brain. Yeah. But like I, I, I both remember them both crawling into his ear and then probably more vividly the and like screaming, the extraction, the, the, them coming out of the ear and like the blood out of it. Like yeah. that just was just like, Oh my God. Like it was Star Trek, but it was like, next level star trek and <laughs> naughty star trek and like i'm over here at my friend's house watching something that i probably wouldn't be allowed to watch at my <laughs> at my own house because we don't even have cable to watch this and it was like exciting and thrilling all at the same time and horrifying all at the same time and it just that is that is also 
a Star Trek memory that is very, very burned in my brain. And, uh, and that was, yeah, that was on my, my short list of aliens as well. That, that uh, I, was... I would say these things are pretty iconic in the Star mm-hmm. Trek world. They're, yeah. They're horrifying. And I, I didn't, the other two that I chose are aliens that I think are just either funny or really cool. This is one that I just find horrifying. And yep. I think that uh, it was just such a unique idea um, and also just super scary, you know, at the, t- at the time that, it, that Con- Wrath of Khan came out. And just the idea that someone could put this creature, I mean, having a creature crawl into your body unbidden is horrifying enough as it is, but having one crawl into your body that can take control of it essentially is mm-hmm. just terrible. It's just the stuff of nightmares. Yeah, what's oh, that... funny is that uh, I remember when I was a kid, even before I'd actually even seen an episode of Star Trek, I saw this again on HBO, like Noah saw it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I still like I had nightmares about this about a steady eel crawling into my ear, like not no not even knowing what it was all about. But yeah. I just, just oh god, just They're seeing nasty. it and he says Chekhov scream, like it, it haunted me when I was when I was little. Well, and and you only have you you only have so many holes in your body. Um, <laughs> and all of them are horrifying to think about something unwanted crawling in. crawling yeah. into them. Yeah. Um, but but the ears are I think are sometimes a forgotten thing of like a forgotten hole a forgotten hole that where you're like no that is that is a pretty <laughs> horrifying place for a creature to crawl into. I've seen I, I think I think I saw <laughs> I think I saw a movie called that once. Speaking of horrifying things that can crawl into you, Andy, what's your last pick? Hey, wait, am I the horrifying <laughs> thing that can crawl into you? <laughs> I hope not. Into our psyche. I mean, I'm the, our psyche I'm the, hole. I'm the I'm the biggest one in the band. I would hope I wouldn't be able to. Um, I am going with a manufactured creature, humanoid life form. Um, matter of fact, they're they're born in chain like birthing chambers. Spell uh, it. So, uh do you you remember the cartoon jim and jim and the holograms i just watched that today yeah dude jim watching it today apostrophe hadar h-a-d-a-r oh this is from deep space nine right yeah i remember i remember that so it looks like they're a genetically engineered reptilian like humanoid species from the gamma quadrant and they're really they're really into cocaine okay Commander Cisco takes Jake and Nog on a camping trip and uh, Quark tags along and they're just like in the Gamma Quadrant hanging out on the, you know, in, in like the mountains on this camping trip. Quark's complaining about how hot it is and and how the bugs don't taste good because they're not Ferengi bugs. And Jake and Nog are all excited about doing their little scans and getting their their little report for school or whatever. And then suddenly these aliens show up and they kidnap them and they put them all in a cave. And uh, that's the Jim Hadar. You heard right. A cave. Oh, I'm sorry. Was it, was it, was it, I, th- I thought this was your pick, Mike. <laughs> I, I was just moving it along. Yeah. How would you didn't even let me even start? <laughs> we went, we went from <laughs> Noah trying to figure out what these things were. And then you jumped right in. 
So Andy, didn't they like serve as the military arm of the Dominion? <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> Sorry, you're young. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, they were that they were they were manufactured just basically be like the muscle, and they were controlled by like they basically the army of like Wayuns more or less. They were like their bosses, but they were super subservient, and they were only they had the ranks and everything. It was like I am number one. You only number three. You listen to me. But I loved the simple fact that they were so subservient and just all they wanted to do was just kill in the name of the of the uh, the shapeshifters. And um, in the name of. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And uh, yeah, they the, the only way they were able to be kept alive was basically heroin, the white Ketracel mm. <laughs> white, Ketracel yeah. white, yeah. Mm. or 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 is the, or is they actually just just called it amongst themselves the white, which I was like, they, if that's not just an out and out drug reference, I mean, come on. But yeah, the the Jimadar were amazing. From the the first time that you saw them, you saw how dangerous they were going to be. What like Mike brought up about the whole camping trip and everything, and like um. That when they kidnapped O'Brien and Bashir to try to basically figure out how to how to wean the rest of the soldiers off of the white so they could live normal lives, like it was neat to see, like some of them that were just complete like killing drones basically, just like they only had one thing in life. But every now and then, you would like run across one that's like, I am done. With all this military bullshit, I just want to live my life. And, of course, they would just wind up dead. <laughs> or in an alien 12-step program. More or less, yeah. Was, but it was, a, was, it was a 12-step program of their own choosing, though. Yes. Was this like season three of Deep Space Nine? The, the last episode of season three of Deep Space Nine is, yep. is called the Jim Hadars, their first appearance. And that was the first appearance? Yeah. Yeah. And then they play a pretty prominent role in the first half of season four. They're just in. They're in the, the rest, rest of the series. series. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They were they were in and out of there. They had some pretty amazing battles, and uh, I I would put them up there with the Borg, uh, with like a threat, a, like an actual threat to the Federation. Like 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 had their forces been able to come fully all the way through the wormhole. Like the, that would have been it. They would have been done. Like yep. the, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You can get all the all the California class ships to come and help you out at your little space station. California class. It's, it's not going to happen. You're it's, you're going to be done. It's a good thing those 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 good paw wraiths closed up the wormhole. Are you defending paw wraiths right now? I said the good paw wraiths. The good ones. He said. Oh, the good paw. Wraiths. So just the just. Well, the well, Mike, is that a, is that a spoiler? They closed the wormhole. It's not like you're gonna watch the rest of the series. The wormhole anyway, was Noah. still open when I stopped at uh, season four, episode nineteen. Oh my god! What the keep, hell, man? Thanks keep, a lot. Keep going. Thanks Noah. a lot. No, no, it gets it gets better in that next. Does season. it get better? Okay, as you long as what, it gets better. You know what they needed to uh, defend against the Jem Hadar? What? Handful of steady eels, baby. Just <laughs> throw some those duplers. out there. Some duplers. Yeah. Duplers. They could fire like torpedoes full of duplers at the at the Jemadar ships. Yeah. 
because I mean, of course, they're gonna they're, they're gonna make them embarrassed and nervous. So they're just gonna keep on multiplying, just choke them out, basically. The weird little the weird little visor thing that they, that they had to wear when they're flying the ships mm-hmm. that kept on giving a. Uh, uh, um, Stay on target, Garrick. Stay on target. <laughs> because Garrick could only wear it for so long because it could start giving him a headache. So, Andy, how did the Jim Hadar? Uh, how, how did they view the founders? Oh, they were the. the are you really just asking me questions from <laughs> Wikipedia right now? I just curious, you know, no, like, they were they were the their gods. Are. Oh, gods! They were their gods. They okay. were their absolute gods. Huh? Yeah, and then like the um, the, and then how are the 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 what are they called? The pod race, pod pod look, race, look, pod look. racers. How are the pod are the pod racers? <laughs> how are they connected to the founders? They're not. They're not. No. What about the pod race? Are they connected to the founders? Is that what you literally just asked? <laughs> I was talking about pod racers, but you. But I don't. Oh think that right. no, the pod raids are not are not connected to the founders. No, that's that's all I got. All I got about the Jim Hadar. I just I love I loved that race, even though they were manufactured. I loved that uh, Worf tried to raise one. Wait, was it was it Worf that the tried, tried to no, raise? No, it was it? Odo. Oh, no, it was Odo. That's right. Odo tried to tried to raise one from birth after Quark found it in the salvaged wreckage that it, that he bought. Mm, like a little dragon. <laughs> yeah, they they were definitely a cool introduction to the Dominion. And when you watch that episode, like the the first time you you're watching the series, especially when it originally aired, like you don't even have any idea how important they're going to be for the rest of the series. They're just like you think they're just like a one off villain for that episode, but then they mm-hmm. just be, they become like the bad the, like the big bad along with the founders and the vorta and the Breen. Like, yeah you did you you never you didn't realize at first like how weird and like how how far out and like far far going this is this is going to stretch yeah it's like this is just the the like the jimadar were just like the tip of the iceberg and then you and then you get and then you get to the vorta who are just smarmy buttholes and then realize <laughs> <laughs> that they're linked to the founders, who in turn are Odo's race. Spoiler. Nuts. Nuts. Mm. So much intrigue. Mm. All right. So that's <laughs> the end of our list. Uh, but we're right. we are gonna go through a real quick list of our honorable uh, mentions. Yeah, our honorable mentions, our, our secondary systems, as Jim Morehouse would call it. Um but to hear that, you will have to go listen to it on our Patreon because we are going to stop right now. five-year mission and do you like getting exclusive content you should head over to patreon right now and visit five-year mission because we've got all the exclusive content you're not getting on any other social media 
There's videos, pictures. Sometimes we post news there before we post it anywhere else. Behind the scenes of us working on albums and podcasts. And sometimes just pictures of us goofing off that we don't put anywhere else. Only on Patreon. And there are many options to choose from. You can be a lieutenant commander. You can be a captain. You can even be an admiral. Each of those comes with their own special perks. One of the perks of being an admiral is that you get to be a producer on this podcast. Currently, our producers are Carol Jones, Jen Tift, Helen Lake, Steve and Frankie Palopoli, Roxy and Becky, Debbie Rinky, Madison Rachel Jones, and Jim Morehouse. So what are you waiting for? Go to Patreon slash five-year mission right now. That's the number five-year mission. And sign up. It's that easy. everybody this is mike from five-year mission and i'm here to give you the laziest fansets ad that you have ever heard go to fansets.com and use the code trekgeeks all caps and you will get a discount off of your fansets pins when you place your order fansets uh their pins have character or something thanks fansets for sponsoring this podcast John Billingsley, Phil Flox, Hollywood Food Coalition here. Guess what? Trek Talks 2. It's happening. You asked for it. You got it. January 14, eight hours of premium Star Trek entertainment. Amazing guests. Mad Capri. Insightful social commentary. Musical interludes. Support HoFoCo. Check us out at HoFoCo.org. Helping people in need for almost 40 years. 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, on the 14th of January at TrekTalks.net. Live long and mark your calendars. Again, TrekTalks.net. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Five Year Mission <laughs> Podcast. Good Creature job. feature. <laughs> Parentheses and aliens. And aliens. <laughs> we hope that you've enjoyed listening to us talk about the... Uh, our our favorites and our most interesting and most fascinating choices. Most for, hated. Yeah, and most hated. Uh well, you know, no, for most hated, you're gonna have to go listen to it on Patreon. Yeah, you do. You have to check yeah. Patreon for that. That's uh patreon.com slash five year mission, number five year mission. Uh but yeah, we had a lot of fun tonight, but we are done. It is uh it is late and we all wanna go back to our lives. So bye. Bad. Creature feature <laughs> and aliens. <laughs> <laughs> listening to five-year mission the podcast if anyone is interested in listening to more of our music check us out on youtube spotify itunes or anywhere that you can listen to music just search for five-year mission and we will be the first thing that pops up if you would like to contact us you can email us at five-year mission band at gmail.com 
You can also find us at fiveyearmission.net and make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Five Year Mission, the podcast, is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. This has been a classic Rittenhouse production. Uh